Hello, and welcome to the Under the Great Lakes podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe. Hello, hello. And Ben. What's up? This week, we're going to be talking about First Cow, directed by Kelly Richard, and Palm Springs, directed by Mark Barkabau. But before we get into that, how are you guys doing? I'm good. That's, that's all I got for you. I'm just, I'm just good. Ben? Ben, how have you been? <laughs> I'm chill, man. We're just chill, you know? Yeah. Watching movies in quarantine. Yeah, what movies have you guys been watching lately? But do you know what movies I've been watching? Actually, I watched uh, Color Out of Space yesterday. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It was not great. It was fun. I don't want to review it here. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I heard um, H.P. Lovecraft's a racist, so oh. found that out today. Well, what a coincidence. <laughs> Good thing he's fucking dead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways. <laughs> ben, give me the news. What do you got? All right, we got a couple big things and then a lot of little things. Not too much going on, obviously, but uh, we've got a pretty big Tenant watch this week with hopefully the final update on a release date for this film. So I don't even know where we left off with the last podcast, but I think there's actually been two updates since then. The first of which was the studio basically saying, like, Nolan, we're not really doing a worldwide release. We're going to release it internationally first and then in the States but we're not sure how it's going to roll out yet. And then today they officially announced um, a bunch of countries are getting it August 22nd, or sorry, August 26th. And then September 2nd, they're doing a limited release in America because they're not really fully ready to be open yet. Yeah, like we're getting it in Canada, Australia, France, Germany, Italy, Japan. We're all getting it on the 26th, so I'm pretty stoked for that. What do you guys think? You guys excited to go to a theater in your mask? No, that's going to be awful. Yeah. It could be kind of cool as a drive-in, though. Oh, no, I wouldn't want to see it in a drive-in. Yeah, I guess, actually. The sound design is such a big part of Nolan movies. I definitely want to see that on, like, the biggest screen possible. Also, like, IMAX theaters are so big, if we're spacing out seats, it's, you know, I guess it'll probably be sold out regardless, but... I don't know, though. Like, I really don't know how the box office for this movie is going to do. Like, do you think it's going to be sold out IMAX theaters right off the bat, or...? Uh, no, I think people will kind of take their time with this. Hopefully. The thing is, is like, I don't really, I don't, I don't know, I guess for the sake of theaters in general, I hope this does really well, but like, it's not like Nolan's depending on this movie doing well, like, they're not going to not trust him. I think if it doesn't do well, like, they're going to understand it's because of COVID. They're not going to blame it on him or the film. Can you guys say that this went against his wishes, that he didn't want to do this? I think he just really wanted it to roll out worldwide. So I'm hearing reports that like, they basically said like, we're done waiting for America, we're releasing it internationally, whatever, you know? I'm just really hoping that people don't turn to cam quality uh, video recordings and stuff like that. Because that's just not, I don't know, I can't watch any movie for the first time like that, but especially like a big Christopher Nolan movie like that, it just seems like it'd be terrible. Um, Another kind of big news, not really, but a lot of more delays we got. So Disney removed... Mulan off its schedule entirely. Uh, they pushed back the untitled new Star Wars movie another year, and uh, I think that's the one with Taika Waititi directing, so we don't know anything about that movie regardless, so that doesn't sting. But the one that does kind of sting, that just keeps on stinging every freaking year, is all the Avatar movies got pushed back by a year. Again. And this series, man, I don't understand. Was it supposed to come out this year? No, Avatar 2 was supposed to come out December 2021, which is why it's so weird that they pushed it back this early anyway. 
What are they doing? Like it's a with year and a half out. Why are they pushing it? Like mo- most movies are getting pushed to 2021. Why are they pushing Avatar 2 from December 2021? I don't know. Maybe maybe they had something on the schedule already that had to get pushed and it's getting pushed into place for that. I don't know. I guess it's just like this movie was supposed to come out originally December 2014. That was like the first release date. I know a lot of that is just like. Fox pushing a date on Cameron and him being like, I'm going to take it at my own pace. Like, I'm not doing this half-assedly. Yeah. But, like, since 2014, Avatar 2 has had a December release date in every single year besides 2019. So it was supposed to come out 2015, 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, and now December 2022, which is just so ridiculous. <laughs> There's so many sequels that I wonder if that movie can ever really make it back its budget now. Like, do people even care about Avatar? <laughs> I mean, I'm stoked. I think it's going to be a blast. Whether it's like a great movie or not, I think they're going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but like, they've also been filming this movie for a long time. Like, they, they started filming the performance capture back in 2017. And I think they wrapped it up sometime early 2018, and then they've been doing the live-action filming of it, which I've heard is the smaller aspect of filming. Like, most of it is motion capture, um, and then it's the live-action filming is, like, maybe, like, 30-40% of the movie. And they've been filming that since, I guess, early 2019? Yeah, so in New Zealand since the spring of 2019, and they concluded filming late November last year with the intention to go back to New Zealand to film the last little bit of it this year, but then because of COVID, they couldn't. But like that, all they have to do is go back to New Zealand for a little bit, and I'm pretty sure New Zealand's operating now for filming, or at least it will be soon. So I, I think it's a really weird thing that they're pushing this movie back again, but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I don't know, hopefully we get the saga, the Avatar saga. So what, there's like five of them, right? Yeah, five of them. And, like, originally he said that five's a prequel. So, like, four, four <laughs> of them are, like, movies, and then five's, like, a spinoff slash prequel. But ever since you said that once, like, years ago, they've never mentioned it again. And now it now I think it is a sequel again, but I'm very confused. Because they're filming Avatar 2 and 3 back-to-back. Like, they've also, they've also almost finished filming Avatar 3, which is crazy. Huh. Is there anything else really in news? And then they're going to film 4 and 5 back-to-back. So I feel like five is probably just the ending and not a prequel or anything now, but yeah, which would really yeah. suck. Yeah. So we got any anything else? Uh, not like a ton. They announced a, a third big Star Wars animated series and works from Dave Filoni, the the Bad Batch series. It came at a cool time for me because I just binged all the Clone Wars in time to kind of watch the new season, and then I literally finished Rebels, like at night went to sleep and woke up to the announcement of the Bad Batch. I was like, oh, it's kind of cool that, like, right when I finished the second series, they announced the third. But I'm not really excited for this show. Like, I know you guys haven't seen Clone Wars. and You know, Gabe, you haven't seen anything Star Wars. But, like, Clone Wars is great. And there's, like, a four-episode arc all about the Bad Batch, which is, like, this, like, A-team-esque group of clones that kind of do their own thing. And, yeah, I just don't really see that being maybe, like, a 10-episode miniseries, but I don't want a whole show about these guys. Like, it doesn't sound that interesting to me. Um, and otherwise, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with all the stuff with the new... Not, like, I guess kind of Justice League news, but, like, Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder, Ray Fisher, just all the shit they've been saying. 
it's pretty uh it's pretty out there. Joss Whedon's kind of just getting uh, a lot of hate. I think we've talked about it twice on some of our podcasts before. But even Ray Fisher yeah. came forward, I guess, at the virtual Comic Con, and said like. Notice that he hasn't come forward and denied any of the things I'm saying. He's like, if I am saying anything untrue, like, feel free to sue me for slander. And, like, I don't think he will, because I'm pretty sure Joss knows it's all true. Honestly, I did, like I said, I didn't care for Justice League at all. I don't even really like Zack Snyder. But I'm pretty excited for Justice League, <laughs> like the new one that's coming out. Just because uh, it's going to be probably like a dumpster fire. But the more it's like shaping up and stuff like that, they showed off like the black Superman suit. Yeah, I'm excited about that. There are no shots that are going to be taken from uh, like Joss Whedon's part of filming. So I'm like, how much of this movie was just already completed? Like I was under the impression that it was like halfway done, and then someone came in and filled in the rest. But they're really making it seem like they have something already there. And then he kind of changed it. It feels like the kind of like that tragic accident with Zack Snyder's daughter. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it happened, and then he left the movie for it, and there wasn't much left to do. And it feels like they just took it as an opportunity to think, like, oh, we hate what he's been doing while he's off dealing with this terrible tragedy. Let's have Joss Whedon swoop in and make a whole different film. That also sucked, <laughs> so. And it sounds like the cast was really upset about it, too. Like, he was just openly, like, shitting on the movie in front of them, apparently. That's what uh, Kevin Smith was saying. Where he was just like watching reels in front of the cast, talking about like how bad it was. Also, like having seen the studio produced one with Joss Whedon at the helm, I feel like I'm not a big Zack Snyder fan either. But he's usually got like a very ambitious vision, and he does have outrageously long cuts of films. Uh, me and you were actually well, like, I don't watch... like his movies. I was just going to yeah, say, The Watchmen right. cut tonight, that's three and a half hours. The ultimate cut of Batman vs. Superman's over three hours. This is supposed to be four hours long, potentially, which is insane. The thing is, I don't like his movies, but at least they're, like, consistent. That was my biggest problem with Justice League, is that it felt like two movies put together. So I'd be interested in just seeing his, his dark and gritty Justice League, even though it, I don't care, but... You know. Yeah, they're doing that. Uh, they're doing the DC Fandom virtual con thing, like in a week or two. So we'll get a lot more news about Justice League then. I think it's like mid-August, so yeah. we can talk more about Justice League then as well. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, last thing I was gonna say was uh, just about the box office again. I think it's weird that like it, it kind of makes sense, but the only movies that people are really putting straight to VOD lately are horror movies or movies based on a true story. And, like, right now, the weekend box office update is just horror movies. Like, it's Becky at number five, Followed at number four, The Wretched at number three, Relic, and The Rental. They're cheap, I guess, yeah. Don't cost a lot to make. Yeah, I guess they're great drive-in movies, right? Like, I like seeing horror movies that drive-in. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's all I've got, so I'm ready to move on to the question. Yeah, Gabe, you got that question of the week? Yeah, so, um, this question kind of came about after watching first cow made me uh made me think think of this question because it made me feel this way but i'll i'll answer first to give you guys some some time to think but what is what what is your comfort movie the movie you go to doesn't have to be like top notch up there and like rankings and people's lists just any movie that you watch it and you're just settled settled in for the for the night i have like a few 
and a lot of them fall into like adventure movies i guess but secret life of walter mitty is one of them because i absolutely adore that movie even though it's not like amazing yeah, I feel like that's a movie i like the concept of a lot more than i like the actual movie like i, I, I always find myself thinking about that movie yeah thinking of ways that i would have loved to do that movie myself i do like the movie on its own but yeah yeah that like walter mitty used a lot of filming out in greenland and iceland which i love iceland and everything about that country so that was very intriguing to me and that's what like one of my comfort movies and uh another one would be probably into the wild i watched that in high school and then i i don't know something about it just made me fall in love with it uh ben you go first i, I feel like i gotta think about this one a little bit uh, i don't like i i can give you an answer but in all honesty, I don't really have a comfort film because, like, I'm bad at, like, if a movie comes out and it's my first time seeing it, you know, I'll go see it in theaters two, three, four times, sometimes even more. But, like, I don't really go back to, even if a movie is, like, one of my favorite movies of all time, I don't go back and rewatch them all that much unless there's a reason to, like, a sequel coming up or if it's been, like, years and years. Like, I'm not the kind of person that likes to just watch the same movie and over and over again when I know there's so much out there. Uh, if I had to say one that is, and it's also because it's my girlfriend Mary's for sure, uh, I'd say How to Train Your Dragon, because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's her favorite movie of all time. And there was genuinely a time in her life where she would keep that movie on in her bedroom on repeat, like always. Like it was never not, if she left to go out for the night, she'd turn it off. But like if she's in her room, that movie's just playing. Like, even when we were just friends before we started dating, I'd go pick her up and stuff, and I could just hear, like, the main menu, like, score cycle through, or I'd hear, like, scenes from the movie. And, like, she's obsessed with that trilogy. I love it, too, so I would say that's probably my comfort movie. Very cute. What a cute little story. I love it. <laughs> I think I've I've gone, like, every episode saying The Social Network. But I, I've just gone through, like, weeks where sometimes I'm just like, I want to watch that movie, like, every day. Like, every night I'll just watch it for a couple hours. Or for, like, an hour off in the background and then, like, watch scenes and stuff like that. But I've said that one too many times, so I'm going to switch it to, uh... I think I said this to Ben a while ago. There was, like, a month where I watched Empire Strikes Back every night. I fell asleep to it every night just because <laughs> I was... I don't know. It's been a while since I'd watched it. And uh, I thought it'd be a good one to put in the background. Even like I was fully paying attention every night for that one. I was just kind of letting it play. It was a good comfort movie, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's something I used to do more as a kid, where like, especially as a young kid, like I remember when I first got Monsters Inc. on VHS, I watched it like every day for as long as I could. But I think the the latest example of something I just kept watching is probably the Simpsons movie for some reason, like back in 2008 after it came out on DVD. <laughs> I just kept watching it over, and I think it's literally because on the back of the DVD, there's um like a a review quote, and it says I could watch this movie like twenty or thirty more times, and I don't know if I just let that get in my head or not, but I just watched it like every day for a month, so I watched it like thirty times in a row. Sometimes I just put it on when there's commentary too. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of comfort TV or move. Sorry, a lot of comfort movies. I'm the same way where I kind of keep going forward and trying to get something else. But then every now and then I'll put something on in the background to help sleep. And I'll just, that's what I would say is my comfort movies. I got like, actually there are a few more that I got that I'll just say quickly. But Spirited Away is another one. 500 Days of Summer is another comfort movie for myself. 
I always find myself rewatch it if I want to watch a rom com. I always, well, aside from Five Hundred Days of Summer, I end up watching um, uh, Celeste and Jesse Forever. I don't know why. Yeah, I just saw that movie for the first time, like maybe two months ago. No, oh, it was really good. I liked it a lot. It's real and honest. That's what I like about it. But that's yeah, that's what I got for the question. Good answers. Uh, and before we hop into First Cow, though. Like first cow, I'm assuming the question was asked because this is a comfort film for you. Yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll discuss that a little bit when we're doing our our review on it. So I won't go too in depth, but it has those vibes. It has like the comfort film vibes, and I'll explain why after. But before we jump into uh, first cow, I just want to say I didn't tell you guys this beforehand, but my friend Sarah, if she listens to this. I want to say congrats to her because she, um, well, she didn't win it technically, but she edited a documentary that won an Emmy. So that's pretty fucking cool. Shout out to you, Sarah, if you're listening. Congrats. Big. That's a big deal. That's a big fucking deal, actually. I'll put it, I'll put it down in the, in the description. I'll put it in the name. I'm not 100% sure where you can find it at the moment, if it even is like online, but if there is somewhere and I'll get that info. I'll throw it down below and you can check it out because Sarah's a sweetheart and deserves this. Deserves this. Yeah. Anyways, you guys ready to hop into First Cow? All right. So First Cow is a, whatchamacallit, A24 movie. Um, pretty sure it circulated around the uh, film festival like circuit last year, if I'm not wrong. I think it did. It's directed by Kelly Richard. And it is starring John Magaro, Orion Lee, Ewan Bremner, and ooh, that's a that's a name, Renee Aubergenois. I hope I didn't butcher that one. But what are you my boy Toby Jones out? He's like, Gosh, that's true. <laughs> that's, he's like the only name in that movie I know. <laughs> I don't even know that name. Toby Jones, he's a. Uh... He is the voice of Dobby from How from Harry Potter. Oh. He's in two oh. of the four Hunger Games movies as the other broadcaster guy, and he's in the MCU as oh crap, what's his name? The computer villain from mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. Yeah, Arnim Zola. I do, I do. I'm looking at his photo right now. I, I, yeah. So Toby Jones is also in it. <laughs> All right, so First Cow, Western drama-themed, follows the story of two travelers on the run from a band of vengeful hunters in the 1820s Northwest. They dream of striking rich, but their tenuous plan to make their fortune on the frontier comes to rely on a secret use of a landowner's prized dairy cow. So, Ben, if you wanted to kick it off with uh, what were your first thoughts on First, or, yeah, first Cow after your initial viewing? Yeah, so I watched this pretty late at night with my buddy Crispin. Uh, it's not a great movie to watch with a friend if neither of you know what you're getting into. <laughs> so it, it, the first 30 minutes of this movie are very, very slow. And like I don't typically care about that, but when you're watching it with someone that you dragged into it, you're obviously always kind of like stressing out, like, oh god, why did I pick this movie with this person? <laughs> Uh, I think both of us definitely came around to it, though. I liked it a lot more than he did in the end. But once once the, the plot kind of kicks off uh, and the whole idea of the con of them 
like going to this cow and milking it for their own bakery of sorts. Uh, I think it's a really, really simple story with some cool characters, and it's just it's just a fun watch. It feels like an old folk tale. Um, it's there's not like a lot of deep themes or character development or anything like that. Um, as far as like theorizing goes, there's not too much there either. But I think it's just a really sweet, simple story about friendship and uh, good. Yeah, Jacob, I liked it a lot. What were your uh, first thoughts on the very first? first cow i think i was just really upset that it wasn't about the very first cow and that's just you know what i was expecting was to see a movie about the first cow and so it took me a little while to tamper my expectations and i don't think ever came around to it you can't tell if you're bullshitting or not (laughs) no but uh seriously i thought it was it was good but i think i think it was a little bit too slow paced for my my taste like the first you say like the first half hour but i thought it didn't really get it, like going until the first like forty five minutes or so. I was watching it. Yeah, Jacob kind of needs explosions. Oh for my god! Shut up. Yeah, Michael Bay's is no, but it's like a lot of the things. Like okay, in the first forty five minutes, there's a lot of stuff that happens that does like follow up later on. But then there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't follow up later on, and it's just kind of dragged out for a bit. I think too much. The problem is like once the plot kind of gets established. You can kind of, like, you have a really good idea of where that's going to go, and it never does anything else with it. It's, like, a bit too simple for for me. There's not really enough going on with the characters or the plot to, to really hold my grasp, ex- like, attention, except beyond, like, the technical aspects. But what do you think, Gabe? Because I know this is your comfort movie. I don't want to be hating on this. <laughs> I do think it's good, but... Yeah, like... I guess I could throw it in the list of my comfort movies. Like, off the bat, like, when I watched it, it was... I, I don't know. I adored it. I thought it was very sweet and honest and um, genuine. Uh, like, right off the bat, I was like, okay, I like it with the music they have in it. Just using a individual instruments, guitar, violin, banjo, whatever they decided to use. And it having, like, a grainy look to it. And I was like, okay, I could vibe with this. Yeah, it was it was good. It was solid. Like, and I can understand why, Jacob, you kind of bored, I guess you could say. I can, I can see that. And a lot, like, I looked at the reviews after um, I watched it. And, like, if you care about Rotten Tomato reviews, like, the critic score for this is a 93 and the audience score is a 52. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, a lot of the common reviews were half the people that watch this are going to hate this and half are going to love it. I guess it just depends on what you want out of a western uh, okay. drama Two things. i guess one i don't give a, a shit about rotten tomatoes <laughs> as long, yeah, as, long as it's it. pu- like past a six <laughs> then like everyone can agree on it then it's gonna get like a 92 i think it's a, i think it's past a six that's all i'm gonna say but uh like that'd be enough to give it like a good review so i think it's good but it's like i just don't think it's like great but for me, I think, too, a big part of it is, like, I, I don't know, the characters... So, like I said, there's not a lot going with them. And the one guy is kind of sweet, uh, Cookie. But I thought King Lou always seemed a bit... He always seemed a bit off to me. I couldn't ever tell what his deal was. I didn't really trust him the entire movie. Like, they start off, and they give him the scene where he's kind of, like, on the run. And so you're kind of sympathetic for him. But then the next scene you see with him... Okay, this is, like, the minor spo- spoiler here. Is when um Cookie's like handling the baby or whatever, and King Lou's like, "Not nah, like let's just get out of here, like leave the baby alone." 
Cookie's like, okay. And leaves the baby. And then, I don't know, there's just a bunch of stuff that happened with King Lou that didn't entirely make me trust him. So I, it was hard for me to see it as like a movie about friendship. Because I didn't think their friendship was all that good. <laughs> I mean, they're both helping. Also, let's talk about that baby scene for a second. Because uh, I don't know if we just weren't getting as close attention as we should have. I think I don't think there's a scene you could have popped back up in. But Chris Brennan and I noticed the guy who's big had that baby. You never see him yeah. again in the movie. But you do see one of the guys in the fight. And he's barely scrapped up. He's got like a bit of a black eye, but that's it. And it's like, man, did they just kill that man? <laughs> and his baby was that's left exactly in the That's exactly what happened. And the guy just left the baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, it's not his problem or whatever. But it's like, Jesus, man. Like, <laughs> I feel like I should explain kind of so people can get caught up and they haven't seen this movie. Like what's going on. Like who King Lou and Cookie are. Um, so Cookie... He's a cook, <laughs> but he just has the nickname Cookie. Um, he was traveling with, I guess, a group of hunters. Fur traders. I guess. Fur traders. Um, I think they were going north. And then they hit a certain town, and then they decided to go a different direction, and he said he was going to stay in that town. Um, but as they were traveling to this town, there is a man, he is naked in the forest, that he sees one night named King Lou, who said he was running away from Russians. Um, so Cookie felt a little bad for him, gave him a blanket and some food, and then offered to let him stay in his tent that night. And then when they were moving from a, one campsite to the next, during the day he hid him in his, like, wheelbarrow underneath all blankets and other supplies. And then when they arrived at the other site, King Lou en ended up just, like, swimming away and disappearing. So Cookie thought, like, okay, that's it. Nice little interaction I had. I did a good thing. That was it. So then they arrive at this town. Cookie goes to this bar. And then a bar fight breaks out. And then it's just him in there with one other man who ends up being King Lou. And then they reconnect once again. So that is a little catch up for you if you were unsure what was going on. But yeah, so when we find him though, he's like, because when he leaves, he's just like wearing like drags, right? He's not really wearing like any clothing really, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and we see, yeah, we see him next, and he's like in this big fancy suit. Did he have? Does he have a hat in the movie? I can't remember. He did have a hat, but you gotta remember he also lives right near. Yeah, that's another thing too. Did he build that house? That they go to his his house, and he's just at a house now. Well, he talks about how he has traveled all over, and has seen like a lot. So who knows? Like, might have been there for a while. And that was just, like, the closest thing that he has. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll go back He just here. always seemed to me, like, kind of like a sketchy guy. And even, like, the the deal that they got going on where uh, later on they start milking the cow, uh, this cow, the first cow. It was, like, owned by, like, the chief of the town. And it's the first, wait, it's the first cow because it's the first dairy cow that's been brought to this <laughs> <Sorry>. area. <laughs> Should say, I'm just explaining it just so they understand like so the whole thing though is cow? cookie has to milk the cow and make all the like all the food and stuff like that and uh king lou kind of just keeps watch and then helps him sell it i'm always kind of feeling like this this deals a lot more in king lou's favor he doesn't really have to do anything here he just has to watch like over and make sure that nothing happens and he gets like money out of this <laughs> i guess that's part of 
what was nice about their like their friendship is that he was so willing to give him some stuff. But I was always like, man, King Lou just kind of seems like he's like scamming this guy. He's definitely a grubby guy. But in his defense, he is letting Cookie live with him. That's true. And it was his idea to milk the cow in the first place. Yeah, it was Cookie's idea to milk the cow, but then it was King Lou's idea to sell the profits. So I don't know. At the end, though, by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, right here, going on forward. Oh my god, we're jumping. We're we're jumping right to the end. Right to the end. Uh, Big catch up. They find out that they were milking that cow. They go back to the house. They destroy the house. And everyone in the town is angry at them. And then, uh, not even everyone in the town. It's just really the Englishman and his people. And then King Lou and Cookie meet back at the end. King Lou has all the money. And he could just leave. But he stays with Cookie, who is uh, feeling sick. Or he got shot. And then they die together. Yeah, so what did you guys think of the, uh, the way that the movie started in relation yeah, to the cool. ending? Um, started in, like, just in general? It's in the present. Because, like, at the beginning of the movie, there's... It's actually maybe from Arrested Development. Hmm. And it's, I guess, yeah, I don't know what time period exactly it is with her. Do you think yeah, it's present? present. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably present day I with the cargo ship. Present day. I, w- I would have said, like, early 20th century. But she finds uh, the bones of them laying there. And, like, it, it's not really supposed to... You're not supposed to wonder who these bones belong to for very long. I feel like within half an hour of the movie, you're quite aware that it's Cookie and King Lou that have died buried together yeah. there. So, like, I don't know. At first, I thought it was cool because the very last shot would be very anticlimactic without that opening. But the idea of them putting their bodies exactly in place for how we saw them at the beginning of the movie, it's a second King Lou laid down beside him. You know exactly what happened. Like, you can fill in the blanks. I think the problem with this story for me, sorry, is that it goes exactly the way you think it would go. Yeah. Which I, I wonder if it wouldn't have if there wasn't that opening, though. Yeah, but even aside from that, once it starts getting, like, going, I was like, okay, like, they're gonna get caught. Maybe someone will find them. And then once they got, like, invited over, I was like, okay, well, they're gonna go up to the cow. The cow's gonna, like, put his head up towards Cookie. You know, it's going to lead them on to the suspicion. Everything just kind of went exactly the way I was expecting it. Yeah, but I think that's part of the, the simple charm of this movie, too, where it really does feel... Like, I, if you saw this movie and didn't know any better, you might even assume it's based on an old yeah, folktale. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like kind of a folktale. Like, it feels like a story I've heard a million times. It's just very simple and charming, but there's not a lot to it as yeah, I that. I think that was kind of the detriment for me, is too much like a folktale, where it's like... The characters didn't really have a lot going on. The dynamic wasn't interesting enough to kind of keep the tension going on. I enjoyed how it, like, the I agree with the folktale point that you made, or both of you kind of agreed on. And, like, yeah, it's very simple. But I think that's where, actually, like, the movie shines. It's just its simplicity. And literally, the only message I pulled from it is that you could potentially find, like, friendship in the most unlikely circumstances or unlikely places like cookies in this shanty little town and he's like staying in a tent a mile outside of the town and he reunites with a guy that he helped like a few nights prior and they make this friendship and yeah king Lou seemed kind of manipulative at first but i feel like at the end of the movie it gets really really sweet and soft and he's like 
I think they lay down beside each other. They hold his hand. He's like, don't worry. I'll be here when you wake up. And I'm just like, okay, that's kind of, it's kind of cute. Yeah, I, I, I took a lot away from the movie. I just didn't think, uh, once they kind of introduced the cow, like all the, the ideas and the messages that can be taken from the movie kind of end right there. They kind of don't go past that. Like once the cow came into it, like, and you start seeing what the towns are like, you start realizing like, okay, like the wealth disparity going on here, you know, is creating these like, this, this drive in them that makes them want to be rich where they're going to go to like these extreme miles to like achieve it and stuff like that but at the same time it's like they're having to take advantage of the cow so it's like you know capitalism is always taking advantage of someone else it starts turning to like greed once uh king lou they're kind of like we need to back away from this and he's like no we need to keep going like we can't <laughs> like we're making so much or whatever so I didn't, I didn't think there was a lot it was saying. It just didn't really... It was just told in a really simple way. And it just didn't ever really go on past the... After like the 45 minutes. I do wonder how much money they made over the course of the film. Like, was it enough where they should have just left? And could they have afforded to go set up their own bakery somewhere? Or? Yeah, because I, I was wondering too. Because it makes me wonder how much... Like how many days was the whole movie? Maybe like less than a week? You know? No, I feel like it was probably... Like I think it was closer okay. to a month. Should have a, a little montage. Just the goofiest little thing. Like this movie definitely like there are some things this movie could have done more. Like King Lou and Cookie, I think they're sitting in this like the house and they're talking about Cookie's life before they like met what he does and how he learned to bake and he briefly brushes over his life but doesn't really go into detail. And obviously I'd like to know more about his like upbringing and kind of how he got to where he is now but at the same time i kind of just accepted it and i was like you know what this movie hasn't given me much like as far as like the plot goes i'll just take it as is and i think it where the movie like definitely here let me pull up this note i have it's my phone locked um what where i think this movie shines in comparison to other movies that get released around this time is it's just like a breath of fresh air from modern day Hollywood movies that you see. Like, I feel, I'll look up the budget for this movie, but I feel like it was a lower budget than most. And this, it did like, it succeeds at being a movie that just, just is. It just yeah, is what it is. I feel like this one's more just taste, you know, where it's like all the technical aspects I thought were all pretty good. Like, you know, it looks. I thought the aspect ratio kind of makes it look timeless. Like, this could be a movie from, like, the 70s and shown to somebody, and you wouldn't really know, you know? I did love, like, you were talking about aspect ratio, and yeah, I love the grain, grain they had in it, and, yep, and also, I was really in love with the production design and the costumes. Like, it's simple. Like, it's, you give them raggy clothes and put, like, an inch of dirt on it, but it it just adds to it more. They could have made it like a little more done up, but then I would have maybe taken me out of there a bit. Like I kind of like the half-ass look, but the full-ass look. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I don't know. I thought the makeup seemed like it was a little bit clean. <laughs> Everyone looked a little bit too clean to me. Um, I'm talking more so about yeah, costumes cost. seem fine, but that's what the areas looked about, very like lived in, which is which is always good. And I like too how it's like. It's very dirty compared to like, and like, it looks kind of dirty and disgusting. And then you go to the forest and it's like, 
mm-hmm. camera, like the forest kind of fills up the screen, a lot of the shots and stuff like that. It always makes the forest feel like so big and like vast. And then you go to these tiny little yeah. dirty towns and it's just like you want to get out of there. Are you guys ready to move on to Palm Springs? Hold on one second. I'm pulling up this first cow budget because I'm curious. I, uh, I don't think it has a reported budget. It's that small. It only has. Oh no! You're right. Yeah, they don't. They never announced a budget. It's probably like not even. Yeah. Reporting. Well, before we move on to Palm Springs, we should at least have our closing thoughts and stuff on First Cow. So, um, Ben, you want to give your closing thoughts and a rating? Yeah. Um, I was gonna say another point I was gonna add to when you were saying like it looks like a movie from the '70s. I think if I also showed this movie to people without them knowing anything about it, and I asked them, when do you think this movie came out? Like, when was it filmed? I don't know if a lot of people would know. Like, I feel like a lot of people would assume it was made in, like, the 50s or 60s. Yeah, it's got a good look. And I think that's one of the ways that this movie succeeds, too, is it really does try to go for that old-timey aesthetic, and I think it succeeds in almost every way. But yeah, there really isn't much to it. It's pretty surface level. Um, all in all, I had a good time. It was definitely a breath of fresh air. Um, I'd give it like, uh, I'd give it a six point five. Solid, Jacob. You wanna, you wanna share your final thoughts yeah. and read? Uh, I can see why people would like the story and everything for being simple. But for me, there wasn't like really any character development. The plot seemed a bit too simple, where everything was seemed a little bit too predictable, and. Uh, I like how it was shot and, like, you know, how it looks and all that, the aesthetic and technical aspect. But besides that, there's not really a lot for me to, to hang on to. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say a six. Because it is good. It's a simple story. I feel like it's more just me not being into that kind of thing. And maybe on a different day, I could kind of appreciate it a bit more. But I thought it was a bit too, too slow paced for me to love. All right. Get more explosions. Yeah, maybe if the cow blew up, I would have liked it a lot more, but I don't know. That would have been a plot twist, and I would have... No, but... (laughs) You know, accepted it. Screw you guys. (laughs) You know what I mean. All right, Gabe, what do you think? Okay. Um, So, yeah, obviously, I really really enjoyed it. It was... It definitely caught me by surprise, I'd say, because I wasn't expecting a whole lot, and... I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It kind of hit a soft spot in me. Um, even though it was slow moving, it felt modest and very delicate. And yeah, it isn't for everybody, though. We've clearly established that. If you're into that slow moving stuff, then sure, go check it out. If you're not, and if you need something just to keep you keep you thinking, this is definitely not it. I like slow movies, but I like thinking movies, is what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> It's simple. It's very it's very simple, as we've clearly said. And I do I don't know. I like I like the uh, little odd couple relationship that is uh built between Cookie and King Lou with like one like as soon as Cookie gets to his shelter he ends up like cleaning his house basically and it's more reserved, quiet, and King Lou is like pa- is like pondering on like life. It's like, oh well I'm thinking of like Basically, what what is life? What's the meaning of life? It was uh, it made me surprised too how much of it like you can connect to like right now. Like so yeah. many people are living with another person to survive. Everyone has a roommate, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, I do have some points that kind of, like small, not too many detail points um, to connect it to Palm Springs, but I'll bring those up in when we start discussing Palm Springs. But as for rating goes, I'll give it, I'll give it like seven, seven first cows out of 10. Seven cows out of 10? Seven cows out of 10. Killed the three cows? Well, yeah. Shit. Oh, fuck them. All right, now Palm Springs. I'm kidding, I'm vegan. Okay, Palm Springs. Um, yeah, so this one was a little bit of a doozy to get <laughs> to get uh, access to, but we did. Yeah, it we went over to our own we, ways. we went to the border. We all just bought a Hulu account. No, one of us bought a Hulu account. We all watched it and we shared it, and that's what we did. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Palm Springs is directed by. Max Barbacow, 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 Max Barbecue. First Barbacow? Yeah, first Max Barbacow. Is it disrespecting this guy's (laughs) Um, name? Yeah, fuck. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Max. Um, It's starring Andy Samberg, uh, Kristen Milioti, J.K. Simmons, Peter Gallagher, Meredith Hagner, and Camilla Mendez. Uh, and it That's follows Camilla. a story when Camila. Yeah. Okay, she had like six lines in this movie, <laughs> so. <laughs> Disrespect. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing these. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I'm gonna say this right now. Whoever chose the name for Andy Samberg's character needs to reconsider. Niles? <laughs> Niles? Niles. I've never met a Niles. It was Buddy Frazier. It's his fucking it's his brother. We love Niles. <laughs> yeah, I was like, not Miles, not Kyle. Niles. Not Nile. It's Niles. Yeah, oh. not Nile. Okay. Two non um, Frazier fans over here, I guess. When Carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated when they find themselves unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Um basically because that didn't really give you much. It's a looping day. It just keeps looping and looping and looping. You're living the same day over and over again. We haven't seen this enough. But no, I don't want to trash <laughs> the movie on the back because I fucking love yeah, this movie. Yeah, this movie's great. It was. Well, we'll we'll get into it. But I will say right now, trying to save us from having to repeat this over and over again. Ah. Uh, any review? Hold on. No, get it. Like repeat. Like <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, Unintentional pun. It's not pun. Um, whatever. <laughs> Go on. Okay. God Just damn. roasting each other this episode. <laughs> every every, every um, review you're going to see of this movie is going to bring up Groundhog Day in some way, shape, or form. We get it. It's the same shit. But this movie does it better. Yeah, let's see how long we can talk about this without mentioning Groundhog Day from now on. Every time Jacob mentions Groundhog Day in his review, he has to put up his first cow review one point. Did you read my review? I, I I think I said it like three or four times. Since Jacob, I know you got a lot to say. I'm gonna save you for for the last, <laughs> if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah, and then like yeah, we'll save you last. But Ben, if you want to go first, give your give your uh, first impressions on Palm Springs. Yeah, so this is one I've been actually like waiting for for a long time. I remember hearing about it when they were filming, and then when it got purchased as well. So I've been pretty excited for this one to come out. And I absolutely loved it, yeah. It was great. It's pretty much everything I wanted it to be. 
Uh, how many how spoilers are we getting to? Because I feel like this movie's pretty spoilerish right off the bat. Should we just um, yeah, just just your first impression. I wouldn't. Well, let's go through our first impressions first, then we'll. Uh... I feel like my first impressions are good. <laughs> like it's hard to it's hard to talk about it without getting into any spoiler. It's also fun because I showed this to a, a group of friends who had no idea what they were getting into. Yeah, I guess we've already said it's a time loop movie, but that's the way to go in. Without any clue. Yeah, so I think only one of the. I think I told Mary it was kind of a time loop film, but she forgot, and then everybody else had no idea what they were getting into at all. So. It was weird, like, seeing them react in weird ways to the first 20 minutes or so before that kind of kicks in. And I thought that maybe they did know what it was about, and they were just kind of, like, confused with it. But yeah, like, none of them really understood what was going on for a while, but I think all six of us left loving that movie, so. Like, I had a good idea of what it was about because I was kind of late on the ball to watching it after both of us, or not both of us, I don't know, the three of us. I was definitely the last one to watch it, but uh, that was definitely a breath of fresh air for a genre or story that's kind of been done over and over again. And script was, it was fun, it was fresh, it was entertaining and goofy in the best way. And kind of, you know, like, the time loop thing has been done, like we said, it's been done a lot. And the last movie I think I enjoyed genuinely that did this was maybe Happy Death Day, which even wasn't that great, but I enjoyed The that. first one's fine. But yeah, the first one's fine, yeah. And, you know, there is a lot of hope for this type of storyline, but it's just you got to be creative with it. And Palm Springs, I think, did a great job at taking something so tiresome and turning it into something fresh but yeah that's those are my first impressions what about you jacob yeah so i i absolutely loved it i thought it was pretty great we were talking about how first cow was really simple and i feel like this story is really simple but told in a really unique way where it's like that concept is pretty done and tired but the way they handled it is very very unique uh I don't, there's a word I want to use, but it's probably just a spoiler in itself. So you guys just want to talk about it? Spoilers from here on out? So, uh, here, want me to explain quickly what happened so there's no confusion as to uh, okay, why yeah. Niles and Sarah are together okay, in this? Yeah, you go, and then I'll finish my first impressions, because that's it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, basically, deeper into the plot, his character Niles goes to this wedding at some Palm Springs resort with his girlfriend, who really is a shitty girlfriend. Um... While he's at this wedding, he meets somebody named Roy, and then they just kind of do a lot of coke and have a good fun time. Uh, then they find this cave, go into this cave, and then they end up in a time loop. So Niles has been living the same day for God knows how long, and then you get thrown into the story on one of his time loop days. And then him and he meets the girl Sarah, which is the maid of honor, and also the sister of the bride. Then they have a, you know, a nice day, nice evening during this wedding time. And then Roy has this tendency to try and get revenge on Niles for getting him stuck in this time loop that he didn't mean to do. So Niles is running away, goes into the cave once again, tells Sarah don't come in. She doesn't listen. She ends up going in and she also gets stuck in this time loop. And now we begin the story on them having to kind of deal with this together rather than Niles 
just doing it on his own for most days until Roy shows up. All right, let me finish my first impression now, because we're caught up. Go ahead. It's subversive. <laughs> That's the word I was going to use, was that um, the concept's been done like a hundred times, but it's really interesting because I didn't know anything about the movie outside of it just being a time loop movie. So you're kind of watching and you think that like he's going to get stuck in it eventually, and then you realize, oh, he's already stuck in it, and then the girl gets trapped in it. And then every time loop movie has the scene where you see the character like freaking out and realizing that like they're stuck in the same day over and over again. But we just get to go through that scene as Niles watching <laughs> and just like all of Kristen Miel uh, what's her name? Kristen, Kristen Miliotis. What? Kristen Miliotti. Miliotti, yeah. All of her reactions though are just so funny cuz like we've seen this in a 100 different movies before. And he's just, like, completely relaxed, just, like, going through the motions. It's just, like, yeah. It's also great because it's, it's not even just watching her reaction to it from another perspective. On top of that, it's immediately penning the blame on Andy Samberg. It's, like, she, there's no, of the, there's none of that typical bullshit of, like, oh, am I in a time loop? I'm so confused. What's going, the second... Yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. knows. <laughs> yeah, she, it's almost like she knows right away because of how weird Andy was acting the night before, and she just goes straight to blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, they kind of tried to portray it in the movie as if it wasn't his fault that she followed him, but I was thinking, like, why did he ever even follow Roy in the first place? Like, he should have just backed up and been like, you need to get away from here. He was, like, dragging, trying to follow Roy. I was like, all right, it's a little silly, but... No, it's because, what do you mean? He got, like, shot. Yeah, but yeah, then he was running away didn't from Didn't Roy, Roy run into the cave, though? I think Roy maybe ran in first, too, but at that point, it's just because... So when you run into the cave, it resets the day, people I don't know. Um, but, like, after he tortured yes. Niles... So Roy ran into the cave, and then yeah, he but was just he, he so was strong. just trying to not be in pain. <laughs> like, he's in a lot of pain. He just wants to reset his oh, day, okay. right? Like, he's not that's, just that's gonna... That's fair. He's gonna limp back to... Sarah's character and be like, "Oh, uh, I'll no!" But <laughs> here, run back to the wedding. He's just crawling away. It's like, what did he think she was gonna think? Of course, she's gonna follow him. Yeah, but he kept yelling at her, like saying, "Don't follow me! Leave! Leave! Leave!" Like he's just trying to reset the day as quick as possible. And I assume, yeah, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> I assume if you if saw someone disappear the day before she follows, that I don't know how that would work. Because like, would that mean the days reset and that doesn't really happen? Or could she follow after as well? I don't know. There's a lot of cool science in this movie that, like, we could talk about for hours, so. And it's, that's, so much, that's so much fun, too, because most of these movies kind of explain the bare concepts of it, and then they kind of leave it at that. This movie takes such a fun approach by the end of the movie, where it's like she just becomes a, a quantum physicist to get out of the situation, which is also just hilarious, because so many of these movies are just, you need to become a good person, and that'll get you out. And it's like a good way of addressing, you know, coming to terms with your own life and your own personality. But then in this movie, like they came to terms with the, with everyone, you know, they were good people and it didn't get them anywhere. <laughs> they just had to be better and outthink it. So I, I really, really do love that they started this movie off with Niles' character having been in it for like an unknown amount of time. And I like that not only do they not reveal how long he's been in it, but he genuinely yeah. doesn't remember and, like, there, there's a little gag where she throws him, like, a one millionth birthday party. And he laughs, and then he goes, I'm not that old. Am I? But, like, it's not, like, a joke, am I? Like, he had to think about it for a second, because he has no idea, like, how 
many years yeah. he's spent in this reality. And I really like that, because they do show it in a lot of cool ways. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's really interesting, too, because with a lot of these uh, characters, they end up really, like, nihilistic because of the position that they're in, and they just kind of become dicks. But I feel like Niles, he, like, seems like he could be a dick, and then you just find out, really, like, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Like, he's just trying to relax, have fun, trying to feel something, but he's never trying to hurt people, you know? Yeah, they, when they kind of bring that up, because Rory brings up a lot of cool, fucked up, like, moral views in a time loop, where, like, every time Rory comes back to torture him for putting him in this time loop, he feels all that pain, and he remembers it when he wakes up. He just isn't in pain when he wakes up the next morning, but he knows how all that felt. Like, he got, like, waterboarded and, like, electrocuted. He had, like, so many fucked up ways to torture or kill him. So, like, he's been through some shit. <laughs> and I think, I wonder yeah. if maybe Niles also dabbled in that for a bit early, where, like, he was like, none of this matters, because if I kill everyone at the wedding, I wake up and you're all alive. So I feel like he probably had a stage where he was pretty fucked up like that, and then when Roy tortured him, he realized, like, even if these people don't know they were tortured or remember it, because that never happened to them, I did it. Like, I did it to that person. They did feel that pain. And, like, these kind of movies don't deal with stuff that dark, especially since this is still a full-on comedy. Yeah. That's, that's why it was really interesting. Like, they, once they mentioned, like, that could create a multiverse, I was like, I've never even heard that mentioned in any of these movies, but it makes so much sense, too. It's like you're constantly creating a new universe which, each day and everything. With that scene, too, in particular, where I was just thinking, like, he probably did go through that phase, but it's, it's a good thing that, like, he realized you can't be like that. You need to have empathy for others. And that's really what the whole movie is. It's just, you know, a feel-good, be-kind-to-other-people movie. I also like how content he was with the reality. Like, he wasn't even trying to figure out a way out at that point. Like, he was... And, like, at the idea of finding a way out, he wasn't even excited. He was totally fine if he would just stay in that reality forever. I also liked how they, they're kind of creative with, like, day-to-day -day activities that they would just take part in or do. I don't know, it's just very charming. Like, at a certain point, like, they're just kind of taking this whole loop thing together head-on. They're like, okay, well, if we're going to be living the same day, let's have some fun with it. And I thought they were really creative with some of the stuff they did. I especially like the uh, the scene where they run up to the wedding cake and say there's a bomb in it, which I thought was <laughs> ridiculous. I laughed so hard at that. It made me laugh. There's a scene near the end of the movie when... um. Andy Samberg needs to get a car, and he runs up to an old man, <laughs> and he just says, "It's me. I'm your son." <laughs> oh yeah, tells him his life story, which he's heard in the past. Yeah, it was so. Funny. Tells him he lies and says he's his son. The, uh, like that, like stuff like that. That's. I love the dance number they do when they go back to the bar, and they just have that like full on like giant dance number with the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wonder how many loop days they spent practicing this dance <laughs> like just waking up every day like let's go let's go like choreographing it practicing it getting ready for the big day and they just yeah. go into a bar and have a big dance there's so many like there's so much originality in the idea even though it's been done a hundred times they just find out they find a little fresh carve out of it you know yeah especially with doing this this day repeat with somebody else which is yeah. The, that's where I think a lot of creativity falls and having a second character having to live the same thing over and over again um, it opens up a world of possibilities of what they could do 
and how they can interact because they both remember what they did the loop prior so they can like build on that and like you just said ben like they go back like practice this dance over and over again like if it's one person like yeah it's not as fun though because you're doing it by yourself uh it reminded me of or it 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 kind of opened up ways to how they would cope as well of like just being the only two people that remember what they're doing or like being stuck together and it doesn't you know it doesn't get dull you know what i mean yeah i also like i i kind of had an idea that jk simmons character was also stuck in the time loop going into this movie but like i didn't know how any of that worked i was like no because he wasn't in it for the first well i guess he has that one cameo at the beginning but outside of that they don't really even talk about him for a while yeah he's just in like flat like flashbacks for a total maybe seven i like the excuse too that works really well because his character lives like i think like a three hour drive away from the wedding venue it's like yeah Yeah. like if he's living in a loop he's not just gonna drive out there every single day like (laughs) that'd be so boring every morning you get up drive three hours like he just stays home with his family every day you gotta be really angry to drive three hours and be that pissed I wonder too the, the days the that he stays home with his family. Like, was he not? Was his family not supposed to come to the wedding? Does he just tell his wife like, "Ah, I'm not going to go to that wedding"? <laughs> like, I thought it was sweet too how he doesn't want his wife to know anything about like the time loop, and it's like you can just fix it tomorrow. It doesn't really matter that much, but like he doesn't want them to know so bad. It's kind of sweet, you know. Whenever I thought about this movie, though, I would just kind of smile. I was like, this is a really nice movie. This is my comfort movie. Uh, I feel like a lot of that, too, comes from the leads, though, because I want to talk about They had, like, a lot of chemistry. Yeah, they're Christine great. Miliotti and Andy Samberg had a lot of uh, chemistry, and you could tell, like, right off the first interaction they actually had. I guess it was when it was, like after the wedding like a ceremony and it was just like dinner and dancing and stuff and they're having that drink at that table and like right off the bat you can tell there's a spark there and i i think andy sandberg does a he has like a special charm to him too in these types of movies that i've found at least that i've found it and it's awesome like another thing i noticed was um like obviously the, the the writing is goofy, right? It's a comedy, it's a rom com. Like it's Andy Samberg's attached to it. You know, there's going to be some lines in there that are just like, "This is so stupid," but you enjoy it anyways. But where those fall flat, where some of like the kind of caring and loving romantic lines fall flat, it kind of um, picks up with Andy Samberg's facial expressions more so. Him just like smiling and Christine um, Miliotis, if you probably noticed she has like wide eyes but there's like a lot of expression in them and so even yeah even when like dialogue fell flat there was a lot to that picked it back up with just how they looked at each other or reacted to those lines which i thought was very sweet yeah also a fun fact this movie was written with sandberg in mind and that was kind of one of the reasons that they like that drew him to it he's like ah well they literally wrote this wanting me to be the guy so like, how can I say no? Huh. I can't, I don't see, like, another person being, like, as what Niall's character is and how he acts. I'm just like, I can't really picture anybody else playing him other than Andy Samberg. 
Yeah, he's very charismatic. I also love, like, the three main cast members, like J.K. Simmons, Andy Samberg, Christine Milioti. I love all three of them a lot, so. What else is uh, Christine Milioti in? I know she was a... Argo. Um, like a stage actress. It's really actress. good to talk about her biggest role, because <laughs> it's kind of a huge spoiler. No, no, is it fine? No, that's fine. Who she is. I'll look it up. Yeah, she's in Fargo season two. Do you know what I'm talking about? Great in that. Yeah, I know who she is. Okay. It's a TV I've never show. Seen her in anything before? But set in New York, a couple of friends. <laughs> okay. That's your hint. Great. <laughs> it is weird. Like I, I think I've said it before. Where like I, I told someone, they're like, "Who is that? That woman? Like, what's she in?" And I was like, "Oh, she's this and that." And they're like, "What? Like, I? Why would you tell me that? I'm watching that. I'm like, oh, like I don't know. Sorry, like." <laughs> It's her biggest character, like... Are you gonna Google it right now? Yeah, do it later. I'll look it up after. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's listening. No, I, um... Like, I did look up who she was. I just didn't look up characters or anything. I was just like, okay, what is she attached to? This. I, I saw she was attached to Fargo. I didn't see how or why. So yeah, Jacob, you kind of brought this up earlier, but I really liked how they resolved the situation, too. Because la- later in the film, the two main characters kind of get into a big fight. And I yeah. guess how the the time loop works is Kristen Milioti's character gets up earlier in the day than Andy Samberg's character does. So, like, say the first day you woke up, you woke up at 6 a.m. and then start the time loop. You're always going to wake up at 6 a.m., so I'm assuming Andy Samberg's character slept in a bit later. So every time he gets up, she's gone, and she's left, and he has no idea where she went, and he just can't find her. And I like the idea of, like, even he could spend, like, days and days trying to track her down. She's always going to have that head start, so he's never really going to find her. Um, and then, like, you don't see her for a little while. Yeah. And when she comes back into play, you find out that she's been going to this one, like, diner with her laptop and Wi-Fi and just researching everything she can on, like, time loops, time travel, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, trying to master it so she can find a way out. I think it's one of those things where, like, in any other movie, they would have it where, like, oh, the character's so smart and they mastered this in, like, two weeks. But, like, this one, they don't specify how long it's been. And if she poured every second of every day on a time loop into this, yeah, like, any anyone can become a master of anything if they put their mind to it, right? Like, I kind of like that idea in the first place. So I, I think, too, like, in those scenes when, uh, oh, are you going on? No, it's fine, you go, you go. In those scenes, too, when they're broken up for a little bit, I don't know if it was the music or just, like, Andy Samberg's performance, but it is kind of sad for a little bit. Yeah. I didn't, like, get... I didn't cry or anything, but I kind of felt like, oh, like, I want them to get back together. Even though I understand entirely where she's coming from. But it's, like, yeah, it is kind of sad. I do like the way that it kind of resolves itself, too. Where it's, like... (laughs) She, like... I wish it was a bit more of Andy Samberg having to kind of grow up a bit more, because right when he sees her, he's just like, I'm so sorry, like, can we get back together? But by the end of their conversation, it turns into, like, she says to him, I don't know exactly the line, but basically tells him, like, you know, it's not going to be the same as it was before, you know, we kind of need to grow up a bit. I don't know, it's just like a simple love story where two people have to separate at the end, grow a bit, before they can get back together, you know? Oh, awesome. Another another fun fact about the the diner scene. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Um, so when she's on the laptop and she's studying everything, you know, she like Zoom calls with the doctor. Yeah. Um. So the guy she Zoom calls with his name is Clifford V. Johnson. 
he's like a theoretical physicist, but he is a constant, um, I'm trying to think of the word, like, they basically, like, when a movie deals with something that he's, like, a professional in, he'll come on board and, like, revise the script and make sure that everything is as sound and accurate. So he, he's actually that guy for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, like, in Endgame, Infinity War, the Ant-Man movies, whenever they're talking about quantum mechanics, these, this, this guy who's putting the words into the script, right? Because, obviously, screenplay writers don't know what they're talking about half the time, so... That's pretty cool. Yeah, Palm Springs. Fucking great flick. <laughs> yeah, just a great time. Um, no, it was a really good time. And, you know, rom-coms... It, I feel like a lot of my rom-coms are, that I enjoy are kind of falling into the same like category like yeah a lot of my rom-coms fall into the same like vein i feel like they are very witty and charming like i can't i can't stand some rom-coms that just try too hard train wreck try too hard yeah that's a movie i've come down on a lot since it came out but like an example i have i have this written down is um and it's mostly, I think, like, obviously we know, like, Andy Samberg's great. He's funny in most of what he does. I really think this is maybe Andy Samberg's best work he's done in his career. If you, I mean, if you look at what he's done, it's not hard to... Yeah, I love Andy Samberg, but yeah, I would say it's probably his best role. I want to rewatch uh, Popstar. I remember that being really funny, but... Popstar's been fun. been a while since I've seen that. Um... Uh, Andy Samberg is like this is definitely his most sophisticated role. Yeah, I guess you could. Say. You know what okay. you were talking earlier? I think he's really good in Celeste and Jesse Forever. Well, yo, yeah, that too. It's like, see, like that's another like romantic comedy, but it's like true and genuine. And this is what I feel like. Even though this one was a little goofier than and silly than Celeste and Jesse Forever, it also was very honest and sweet and charming, but just in a completely different way than the latter um and i think a lot of that obviously like i said andy samberg was great but uh christine milioti she was able to grasp the idea that her character like she played it as a real person that ends up in comedic situations and not so much a person that was trying to be in a comedy and was just like a machine to throw out gag jokes and stupid comments like she really understood like oh i'm stuck in a time yeah loop. she plays a straight man a bit more but mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very funny though yeah it's very casual like her comedy in it is very casual it's like that is some that is definitely something sarah would say from what you kind of learn off the beginning of this character and then not so much like said someone who's just dumping out like really shitty jokes and is going out of the way like it's written in the script out of the way to i think fun. also because you're kind of going on the experience with sarah more so as where niall's character's been through the experience she has a lot more depth to her that way where there's like a lot of revelations in the movie that specifically have to do with sarah and her past honestly i thought both characters actually had like quite a bit of depth but like <laughs> niall's all comes from his, like, yeah, all comes way, from right? the like, situation. Stuff he's already, yeah, I guess hers is all stuff from yeah, her past, but like, you, there are revelations throughout the film. But yeah, I thought they were both very, uh, very nuanced characters. Where it's like you, they both seem like the type of person that you would know. You know, where the King of Staten Island is a similar type of like lead. Where uh, Scott is just like that lead. You know, who's stuck in his life. He can't get forward in life. And it's just that, but in a time loop. 
<laughs> that's just Niles. Also Niles more likable. Also fun. Yeah, a lot more likable. But it's the same kind of idea, basically, you know? And, uh, yeah, I thought it was very, really creative. Maybe I just don't like Pete Davidson that much. Yeah. Screw Pete D- Davidson. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Do you love Pete I'm Davidson? Just... Fuck Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh... Yeah. You no, know, like, Andy Samberg's character, like, Niles... So they had the, like, their their sense of humor in this movie were, I feel like, completely different at certain times. But I think it's heavily due to, like, Niles being, um, just like when the first time you get introduced to his character, he's, aside from, like, waking up in bed, then he's, like, in the pool drinking beer and, like, a Hawaiian shirt. And you're like, okay, this is the type of character he is. So then the comedic events and jokes that he brings up are very on par with this character like it's on brand but on that note i think we've um kind of gotten our thoughts of palm springs out there don't you think yeah i have i have a few more things to say but i feel like we've passed the appropriate times to mention them so i have a review on letterbox that goes really in depth with this movie um yeah i read it yeah it was nice a couple lines it's it's a nice piece of work did I? I'm just kidding. Probably not. Final Sorry. thoughts? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Ben, you want to go ahead final first? Thoughts. Your final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really need to. I feel like we've talked enough about it that I can pretty much just say I thought it was really good. It's uh, my favorite movie of the year so far, which isn't saying much for 2020, but uh, it's number one. So, that's pretty cool. I think it's a solid 8 out of 10. Very subversive, very fun twist on the genre. All in all, just a really cool flick. Nice. And Jacob, your uh, final thoughts and reading? Yeah. I uh, I also think it was pretty great. My favorite movie this year. I loved it. Yeah. I don't know. There's not much to say that we haven't said already. I put a review up on Letterboxd. If you want to read me rant on about this movie a bit more and get in depth with those characters. But uh, yeah, very original, very subversive, and just not a minute of it minute of it like felt like uh wasted or anything like that had a really good pacing i thought too yeah just a great time i'd give it a, an 8 out of 10 all right and um yeah i'm on board with both of you like it was great it was a great time fun script very fresh take on a stale genre uh or stale story i should say and it's probably up there with my favorite of this year I'd I'd place it at the top. It, I mean, it just kind of depends on what you consider this year's movies. Between like Portrait from last week. Oh, that was last year. Or last episode. That's last year. Last, sure. Yeah. But First Cow was also last year. And you guys said it was this no, year. It's so. a wide release in the US. This year. So Great. it's 2020. Well, then yeah, I'd probably stick it up there as my favorite of this year. Um, Give it a solid 8 palm trees out of 10 i did cows i gotta pick something else so you burned two right, palm yeah, trees across the board um no actually oh. uh i paid to use express vpn which is the sponsor of this episode what? you thought what no i'm just fucking kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to express vpn though that shit that shit no smacks. he said uh we're all eight across the board Oh, I thought you said across oh, okay, the border. Was, <laughs> My bad. I was super confused. Said, yeah, no, no, we're we're yeah. The border excuse was pretty trash. 
No, it's funny, you guys. Shut <laughs> uh, up. Cut this out right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it cut out a bit, so I thought, like, all I heard was bored, and I was like, did he say bored? Or I'm just going to ride with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I guess we're all eight across the board. Um, I'll probably go back and rewatch it while I still have a month of Hulu and yeah, good ex- Express <laughs> VPN under my belt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, episode episode four, the first cow in Palm Springs, and some big tenant watch news. Uh, do you guys have any final things to uh, say? No, not really. Excited for. I'm not really that excited for next week, but. I'm excited to get into our Nolan stuff. Uh, what are we doing next yeah, week? Yeah, we're going to be... I think we should tell them what we're doing in a couple weeks so people can get started now. Yeah. So, so um, so first, we'll talk about... So next episode, and we're going to be starting to do these maybe weekly for a few episodes. Just, you know, we got the time, and one of us is going to school, so we're going to have to load up some content. Sorry. Anyways... Yeah, Jacob's going to school. He's going to be a college boy. Sorry. He's just leaving leaving us in the dirt. But well, we're uh, going to be continuing on not, still, but try yeah, to pump out some episodes yeah, before then. Not, yeah. Um, but next week, we're going to be reviewing Dave Franco's directorial debut with The Rental and Seth Rogen's new flick, American Pickle, which looks interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for American Pickle, I guess, but... Not, not excited for the yeah it's interesting um but uh yeah in a few weeks from now with the release of tenet we thought we would do a christopher nolan special so if you're a nolan fan or, or if you hate him not seen if you don't like nolan as like me then this will be a painful episode for you you've seen all of his movies I do like once nolan. and hates him so. I've seen all of Nolan's movies once. They're have long. You not okay, seen a few of them still? I there. I haven't seen The Prestige. Yeah, you gotta watch all of them though. Me and Ben watched uh, Following the other day. I haven't seen that either. But um, if I can go through them, you can too. <laughs> so yeah, if you want, just <laughs> that's a good. Standard. You don't need to watch all of them. We'll try to talk about them no. uh, with not a lot of spoilers or without any, and we'll be covering them pretty pretty briefly. And we'll just be talking about him as a whole as a director. So it's not next. Yeah, episode. we'll we'll touch over what he's done, and maybe we'll rank our. We'll probably yeah. do a bit more depth for Inception, just because it's the tenth anniversary. So if you haven't seen that one, I'd say try to at least watch Inception. Uh, otherwise, we're probably not going to go too heavy into spoilers. It won't be next week though. Just you know, get ready now. Start watching them. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a couple weeks from now. We're going to get that new episode, get and then uh, twenty six, like they've said. Hopefully, we'll get that out as soon as possible. Yep. So Tenet will be the following episode. So we got three, three um, episodes worth of content there. With the next week would be uh, American Pickle and the Rental, and then after that we're gonna have our Nolan episode, and then following that will be our Tenet review to tie in with that a little two-parter Nolan episode. But aside from that. Um, that's a wrap on our reviews for First Cow and Palm Springs. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate all the, the nice words, at least the nice words I've seen from our previous episodes. And that's all I've got. You guys a uh, final send-off? <laughs> Moo. Moo, yeah, okay. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Moo.